With the 2023 NFL Draft in the rearview mirror, it's time to consider who the veteran winners and losers are and what we learned about the direction of the team today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, we have three different segments today for you. The first one's going to be on the winners, the veteran winners on the Bills roster based on the results of the 2023 NFL Draft. Then we'll shift gears to the losers on the roster from the results of the 2023 NFL Draft. And then to close, I want to have a conversation on some of the overarching themes that we can really gather now that, for the most part, the offseason has delivered what this roster is going to be, right? There might be a few players here or there, but we have a good idea for the vision of what this offense and defense could look like. So I want to focus on that for our final segment. And in that segment, I want to address the comments that Brandon Bean made on Chris Long's podcast about the linebacker position. He gave us some pretty good clues there on what's going to happen at linebacker without Tremaine Edmonds. So let's start with the winners, the players on the roster that I think were winners based on the result of the 2023 NFL draft. And some of these guys will be winners because the Bills didn't draft the player at their position, but some of these guys will be winners because um, the players that the Bills draft are going to benefit them. And my first winner is along those lines, and his name is Josh Allen, the Bills' starting quarterback. I think Josh Allen was a big winner from the 2023 NFL Draft with the team investing their top two picks in offensive players, Dalton Kincaid in the first round, Osiris Torrance in the second round. And then, of course, they go with a linebacker in the third round, but then two more offensive players on day three and Justin Shorter and Nick Broker, another receiver and another offensive lineman. I did some research here, and the Bills were among three teams in the NFL that utilized both of their first two picks on offensive players with one of those picks not being a quarterback. So like the Panthers drafted Bryce Young, a quarterback, and then Jonathan Mingo. They didn't count. Or like Tennessee, they drafted Peter Skaronsky and then Will Levis. They didn't count. But the Bills were one of three teams to pick offensive players with their first two selections with one of them not being a quarterback. So the Bills, the Falcons, and the Jaguars. That's it. No other team did that besides the Bills, Falcons, and Jaguars. And Josh Allen is going to benefit from Dalton Kincaid and Osiris Torrance. Dalton Kincaid for so many reasons because the Bills needed that answer in the slot. You could really sense that missing last year with Cole Beasley not being a part of the plan early on, leaning into Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. Jamison Crowder gets 
injured a couple weeks into the season. Isaiah McKenzie is Isaiah McKenzie, just not a a volume player in the slot that you can lean on. And the Bills missed that production in a big way. And that put more on Gabe Davis. And unfortunately, Gabe does Gabe Davis doesn't necessarily win in the short to intermediate areas of the field with consistency. And so you're funneling 100 targets to Gabe Davis down the field, and that's just not a very efficient way to play football. And that was a detriment to Josh Allen. But I think with the arrival of Dalton Kincaid, you get some of that back, and you get some of that back in new ways with a size dynamic that didn't exist with Cole Beasley. And I'm going to stop short of saying that he's Cole Beasley in a tight end's body because I think that's pretty aggressive. But there are ways that he can be a major factor in this offense and, of course, be a major benefit to Josh Allen and this passing game and the spacing of this passing game and how he can command market share or target share in this offense and redistribute some things along the way that's going to make the offense more efficient. So he's a big winner there, but also Osiris Torrance and what he can bring in the run game and the pass game. In the run game, his ability to create displacement up front will obviously jumpstart the Bills' rushing offense, but also the short yardage offense. And the Bills have typically leaned on Josh Allen for a lot of those carries, and I'm guessing that will still happen to an extent. But with Damian Harris and Latavius Murray in the mix, Running behind Osiris Torrance in short-hearted situations, probably not a bad idea given his size and ability to move bodies at the line of scrimmage. And so my number one winner from this draft in terms of veteran players on the Buffalo Bills is Josh Allen. And for those of you that wanted the Bills to go all in on offense, you got to feel pretty good about what they did here, investing those top two picks. Again, only three teams did that. Only three teams picked two offensive players with their top two picks that one of them wasn't a quarterback. And so they did as much to help their quarterback, the Bills, as any team in the league. And so he's your number one winner, in my opinion. The next player that I think was a winner from this draft, and maybe some of y'all won't like this, but it's Spencer Brown, the Bills' projected starting right tackle. The Bills, whether it's free agency or the draft, haven't done anything meaningful to add competition to the offensive tackle position. They brought back David Questenbury, end of list, right? Tommy Doyle comes back off of an ACL tear. That's it. It's the same guys, less Bobby Hart, right? The Bills are really opening the door for Spencer Brown to be this right tackle, this starting right tackle. And I know that some people have some concerns about that, and I would agree that he's got to play better than he did his first two seasons. Now, there's reasons for why he was inconsistent, and obviously it needs to come in, come together this past year. Back in April, I did an entire podcast on Spencer Brown, his story, what the film reveals, all of that. So if you want the full Spencer Brown conversation, go back and find that in the podcast feed. But he's a winner from this draft because there's no meaningful competition for him at right tackle. I, I think he's going to win that job. That's always been my expectation based on the way that Bean and McDermott have spoken about Spencer Brown. And now it has to come together. And so, good or bad, he's a winner from this draft and really this offseason altogether because it's right there on a platter for him to take, and the Bills need that to happen. I've, I've said repeatedly that Spencer Brown 
realizing his ceiling this year is as important of a dynamic for this team as anything else. It's right up there with replacing Tremaine Edmonds. It's right up there with developing the passing game to not just be this vertical offense where there's more easy button throws, right? Spencer Brown's development is is right up there at the top of the list. And he's a winner because, well, it's look like it looks like it's his job to take. And it's my expectation that he'll be the Bills starting right tackle. The next uh winner, I'm gonna I'm gonna lump three players together here. Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham, and AJ Epinesa. The Bills depth at defensive end behind Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. The Bills did not draft an edge player. And they haven't signed an edge player either. And maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll get one of these veterans. There's a bunch out there. Leonard Floyd, Yannick Ngakwe, Carlos Dunlap, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram. They're all out there. You can sign a veteran. And that'll change the conversation. But where we stand today when I'm having this conversation, the Bills haven't done that. And they didn't draft anybody. And so we'll see what Von Miller's status is for the start of the year. But right now, all those guys are in line to make the team and in line to dress on Sundays and have a chance to make an impact, despite maybe not making enough impact in the previous two, three seasons. And so Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, veteran winners, in my opinion, from the results of the draft. The next one I'm going to lump together as well, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, Balen Spector. At linebacker. And again, in the last segment, we're going to talk a lot more about linebacker and what the vision is there. But they haven't received a whole lot of competition, right? Those guys were all on the team last year. AJ Klein's back, Tremaine's gone, and they're rolling forward with these guys. I mean, they the Bills drafted Dorian Williams in the third round, but looks like he's going to start his career as an outside linebacker. So the same cast of characters that we're in contention to replace Tremaine Edmonds going into the draft or the exact same ones coming out of the draft. And so that opportunity is ripe for one of them to take. I think they want it to be Terrell Bernard. I'm sure of it, right? He was a third-round pick in 2022, entering his second season. Surely they want him to be a guy that claims this job. But um, without a, an investment in a true Mike earlier in the draft, it's really putting that on a platter for them. The last veteran winner that I'll mention here is DeMar Hamlin at safety. Obviously an amazing story from what happened in Cincinnati to where he's at right now. Cleared in full to play football, and he wants to. And the team has acknowledged that they're going to support him in that quest. An incredible story. Absolutely incredible. But he's a winner, right? I mean, right now he's in line to make this roster, in my opinion. Assuming everything continues to check out medically for him. Young player that gained a ton of experience last year, if I'm not mistaken, 13 starts. For a defense that was statistically very, very good, I think he's got some areas that he can grow. But I like his aggressive mentality. I like his physical demeanor. You know, and he gained a lot of experience. And now you have this guy coming back in line to be your fourth safety. I mean, obviously you have Poyer and Hyde and Taylor Rapp. But DeMar Hamlin is well positioned to make this team. I mean, the only real competition for him is Jared Maiden, Zane Anderson. I mean, maybe Cam Lewis is his biggest 
threat on the roster. Because I don't think the Bills will keep five safeties. They'll keep. I think they'll keep four. But, I mean, DeMar started over Cam Lewis last year. And so if everything checks out medically, DeMar Hamlin looks to be well-positioned to make this roster. All right, folks, in just a moment, we're going to talk about the losers from the 2023 NFL Draft in terms of veterans. But first, I need to tell you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you got to try Built Bars. They're awesome. They're healthy. They're delicious. They're healthy because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in great flavors like cookie dough and brownie batter and coconut almond. So many great flavors, but also they're healthy. I mean, the macros on these things are off the chart. Like I mentioned, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and um, it's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. They're awesome. Fully endorse Built Bars. I eat them all the time. If you want to try them, you can go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKDOWN15. You'll get 15% off your next order, or you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box off the shelf. So get yourself some Built Bars. You'll thank us later. All right, let's uh, talk about the veteran losers on the Bills roster from the results of the 2023 NFL Draft. We'll start with Ryan Bates. And not that I have any expectation that the Bills are going to move on from Ryan Bates. I think he's at a minimum, going to be the sixth offensive lineman. But when the Bills drafted Osiris Torrance in the second round, I talked about this, that there's a domino effect here. They didn't draft Osiris Torrance in the second round for him not to be in line to start and start at guard. Well, they just paid Connor McGovern a pretty good amount of money to come over and start at left guard. So who's the Bills' right guard? Ryan Bates. And Ryan Bates to his benefit and his detriment, is the guy that can play all five spots. And that versatility will keep him on NFL rosters for a long time, but it may keep him out of the starting lineup. And as you try to figure out where Osiris Torrance is going to play, I can't help but think about right guard and what that means for Ryan Bates. And Ryan Bates is locked up for three more seasons. I mean, maybe there's some time where he may be the Bills' starting center if you know, Mitch Morse eventually moves on. Maybe he's a hedge against Spencer Brown at right tackle. But the path for Ryan Bates to fall out of the Bills starting lineup is pretty clear now that Osiris Torrance has been drafted. And so I can't help but think of Ryan Bates as one of the veteran losers because the path for him to no longer be a starter is absolutely in place and he'll still provide good value as a backup. I mean, he's getting paid $4 million a season. I don't really blink an eye at that in terms of a backup salary for your sixth offensive lineman. I'm okay with it. But he's definitely the guy that springs to mind for me when it comes to who's impacted by the arrival of Osiris Torrance. The next guy is Quentin Morris. You know, really fun story here. Undrafted free agent makes the roster in year two. He beats out O.J. Howard, who the Bills paid. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, there was guaranteed money there that the Bills had to eat. And Quentin Morris beat this guy out. And he probably deserved to beat him out. I don't think the Bills made the bad choice there. I think they rostered the better player. But Dalton Kincaid's in town and he's a first round pick. And Dawson Knox is a $14 million a year tight end. And so Quentin Morris, while I don't necessarily think his roster spot is in jeopardy. I think he could still be tight end three. His playing time is going to go down. I think he was on the field 
something like 30% of the snaps last year. And that is going to go way, way down. Now, obviously, there's injuries. That changes everything. But there's certainly an impact to Quentin Morris's role and volume of snaps with the arrival of Dalton Kincaid. The next guy that I have written down, this one might be a little debatable. But I hope you'll hear me out. I have Gabe Davis written down. And I don't think the Bills are concerned about Gabe Davis at all. I mean, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean rave about Gabe Davis at every opportunity. And I think Gabe Davis is still going to be the Bills' number two wide receiver. But when I think about whose target share Dalton Kincaid is going to eat into, Gabe Davis really comes to mind for me. I think the Bills want to become more efficient with their passing game and lean more into Dalton Kincaid from the slot. I still think Gabe Davis is going to get north of 70, 75 targets. I think he'll have a big role in the offense, but is he going to be a 100-target guy? I don't think that'll be the case. And, you know, Gabe, I think, has played himself into a $11, $12 million a year salary, but with a big season, you know, if he gets 110 targets, he's more efficient, tops 1,000 yards, he could have been maybe a 15 to $18 million a year wide receiver. And so I, I think the Bills are going to stick around, stick, you know, keep Gabe Davis around for the foreseeable future. But I think Dalton Kincaid is going to eat into his opportunity. And I'm happy about that. But for Gabe, I think that puts him on this list of quote unquote losers. And the last uh, few players I want to mention here in terms of losers, I'm going to lump together. And it's some practice squad wide receivers, Isaiah Coulter, Keyshawn Johnson, Desmond Patton. You know, the Bills will probably roster six receivers. And before the draft, one of them was in line to make the roster. Now, you figured at some point the Bills would add another wide receiver that would be meaningful competition for them. But with Justin Shorter now in the mix, I think he's your wide receiver six. So Diggs and Davis, Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield, Shorter. That's your six. And Isaiah Coulter, Keyshawn Johnson, Desmond Patton were probably looking at themselves and saying, hey, one of us is going to make the roster, and now they need one of those previous six players to get injured if they're going to make the roster. So I think the arrival of Justin Shorter really makes it difficult for Coulter, Johnson, or Patman to uh, to land on the Bills' 53-man roster. All right, folks, I want to shift gears to what we've learned about the Bills in terms of maybe what this offense and defense is going to look like next year based on the 2023 NFL draft. Just need a quick break, quick break, excuse me. I'll be right back. Okay, so let's talk about what we learned about the Bills coming out of the 2023 NFL draft. And my prevailing thought here is that the Bills are willing to evolve and that there are transitional elements to this football team on offense and on defense. Let's start with offense. I think the Bills are interested in using more big people on offense. They've typically, over the last few years, leaned into some smaller players. Smaller receivers, smaller running backs, right? Devin Singletary, James Cook, that's not a big pair of backs. You know, Zach Moss wasn't what they wanted him to be. Using Gabe Davis as an insert blocker, kind of 
at times even like a F tight end, if you will, with some of his alignments closer to the line of scrimmage, blocking play side on run plays. The Bills want to use more big people on offense. And I know that Brandon Bean has come out and said that their intent with their first-round pick was to get a weapon of some sort, whether it was a tight end or a wide receiver. But he said that he started thinking about trading up around the Chargers pick. And we know that there was that wide receiver run. If I'm not mistaken, four picks in a row was Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quinton Johnson, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. He wanted Kincaid. I really do believe that. Maybe he thought there were too many landmines, whether it was Green Bay or the Chargers, certainly Dallas as landing spots for Kincaid, but Brandon Bean got him. And the when you think about it, the Bills have been trying to get this number two tight end thing figured out for a while. Whether it was the money they paid Tyler Kraft, or Croft, excuse me. Think about Jacob Hollister and kind of the thought process there. O.J. Howard, right? They've been trying to get this other tight end. And it hasn't worked out with any of those players. And finally, Brandon Bean said, well, I'm tired of trying to figure this out. Let's give up our fourth-round pick and go get Dalton Kincaid, who's tailor-made for this position that we've been trying to get for like five years. And so leaning into more big people, whether it's target share in the passing game with what Kincaid's going to take on, whether it's using Kincaid as that insert blocker or not Gabe Davis as the play side blocker kind of as an insert player, that should help, right? That was a a criticism that John Fina had when I had him on the podcast a few months ago. John Fina talked about that, you know, having more of an identity as a run game and not having so many little people on the field. And Kincaid's going to have an impact on the run game like we talked about with him replacing a lot of the reps that they've typically had Gabe Davis doing, but also in the passing game with a big-bodied option in the middle of the field to go with Diggs and Davis and Knox. There's a major impact in both facets of the game. And obviously more 12 personnel, or as Brandon Bean might call it, 11 and a half personnel, two tight ends on the field. And how that can dictate terms, right? And force matchup problems for defenses where if they have their base defense on the field, they're going to be too small or they're going to be too slow, excuse me. Or if they have their sub packages in, they're going to be too small. Really puts defenses in conflict. So they can really dictate terms with a player like Dalton Kincaid playing high volumes of snaps to go with Dawson Knox and more 12 personnel. And I look at this wide receiver core or this weaponry in general, whether it's receiver, tight end, or running back, and the Bills have very complementary skill sets. There's not a lot of redundancy with the position groups. Cook, Hines, Harris, Murray in the backfield. Very different skill sets that complement each other very well. Dawson, Knox, Dalton, Kincaid, complementary skill sets. Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Shakir, Sherfield, Shorter, all kinds of differences in skill sets when it comes to wide receiver core. So no matter how you want to attack a defense, right, no matter how you want to do it, you have the skill sets to do it. 
So whatever Ken Dorsey wants this offense to be, he has what he needs for it to be that. And then I'll say this about Osiris Torrance and his arrival, and I've, I've kind of talked about this already, but leaning into Osiris Torrance is a shift in the style of offensive linemen that they brought in over the last two years. They've typically wanted these more athletic guys. And they got a mauler. They got a physical, powerful dude that has some mobility restrictions, to be quite honest with you. And so these two premium investments signal a new look and feel on offense. But the bigger change in look and feel just might be on defense. And this is where we're going to get into the comments that Brandon Bean made on Chris Long's podcast. And so I'm going to couple those comments, which I'm going to read the notable piece of it, with what they didn't do in the draft, which is they didn't draft Jack Campbell, or they certainly didn't have the chance to, but they didn't draft a true Mike linebacker. So not doing that, drafting a linebacker that's more of an outside guy, and these comments really give us some clues as to what this Bills defense can look like. This is what Brandon Bean said on Chris Long's podcast. He said, the game is trending more and more to pass first. Teams are in passing situations that they never used to be in. It's a matchup game. When you are going to play the Chiefs or the Bengals, they are going to get you in tough matchup situations. Tremaine Edmonds is a really good player, but there were some matchup issues. He's 6'5". It's hard. You put a little slot on him, and it's not fair to him. He's just a little more gangly. So finding the right player that's firm enough against the run, can get off blocks, but can still match up with these heavy pass teams is what he was looking for at linebacker. Now, to me, that signals a handful of different things about how this defense can look different. The first one is more multiple with the defensive line fronts. I think you're going to see some odd fronts. You're going to see some even fronts. There's going to be some gap control stuff that's going to help the second level stay clean, right, when you're going to have smaller linebackers, especially at Mike. I think they're going to have some more gap control looks that's going to be predicated on controlling things up front, not getting up the field and allowing the the second level to fill behind it. So more multiplicity with your defensive line. I think you're going to have more simulated pressures. And a simulated pressure is when you basically rush four, but there's at least one player that's from a non-traditional alignment. And so I think one of the best things that Terrell Bernard does is blitz. And if you watch him play at Baylor, I mean, this guy shot gaps all the time and made plays behind the line of scrimmage because he would time it up. He would, you know, knife through the line of scrimmage and make a play in the backfield. I think the Bills are going to want to tap into that. I think they're going to ask their linebackers to be more man coverage players than zone coverage. I mean, that's probably my number one takeaway from what Brandon Bean said. He came out and said that it's a matchup league. And with Tremaine, there were matchup issues. He he said it out loud. 6-5, it's hard. You put a little slot on him, and it's not fair. So it sounds like they want their linebackers to be able to play more man coverage, whether that's against running backs, tight ends, little slot receivers, as Brandon Bean put it. He wants a guy that can do that. And, and quite honestly, from a physical traits perspective, Terrell Bernard, is a better fit to do that than Tremaine Edmonds. And the other layer to that is it means less zone coverage, which leans into what Tremaine Edmonds does. Tremaine Edmonds, with 
his ability to cover ground, utilize his length to restrict passing windows in the middle of the field was the best way to use him in coverage. And I mean, there was a lot on his plate, but it sounds like the Bills are leaning more into, well, we, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that guy that can do that. So how do we lean into the opposite, which is, okay, well, can they play more in man coverage and put yourself in less situations where completions happen between zones, right? Where you're you're passing off routes, you're trying to squeeze the route and you're passing them off to a zone and that's where completions happen quite a bit, especially against the Bengals and Chiefs. And now you have a guy that you feel like can carry those routes further and be less dependent on zone responsibilities and zone principles. And then the last thing is they want to be better against misdirection and the ability to redirect at the second level is something a player that's not 6'5", 250 pounds is going to be able to do better, right? Tremaine was very rangy, but change of direction is always going to be difficult for a guy that has his type of body composition. And so with a Terrell Bernard, you have the opposite of that. You should have a guy that's more explosive laterally. And when things get going back across his face, he can redirect and close quicker. And so the last thing that I want to say about this is, look, we need to be mindful of that Brandon Bean made these comments after losing Tremaine Edmonds, right? If plan A was to keep Tremaine Edmonds and then they just couldn't match the salary and they had to move on, well, this is the shift they had to make. I'm not so sure that being intellectually honest, that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott sat down this offseason and said, you know what, Tremaine Edmonds is is not the type of player we want at Mike Linebacker. We want a different type of player. It's Terrell Bernard. Let this guy walk. We'll get a third-round pick. We'll get a bunch of money from some other team. I think it's more, okay, well, we can't keep this player, and, and so this fundamentally changes what we have to do, and so we have to lean into different strategies with our linebackers and our defense altogether. It was a shift they had to make no matter who was replacing Tremaine. And I talked about this in the podcast quite a bit. No matter who was replacing Tremaine, they have to play the game differently. And now we have some clues as to how that could be. You have to embrace the differences, right, in what you're not going to have in Tremaine versus what you're going to now have at linebacker and evolve from there. And I think the Bills' vision makes a lot of sense. Asking Terrell Bernard or any player to come in and do the things that Tremaine did is a recipe for failure. And so them not drafting a true traditional Mike linebacker, these comments, the players on the roster, give us clues as to what this defense could look like. And I think it's smart. And and it has to be that way. Again, you couldn't ask Terrell Bernard to be Tremaine Edmonds. And that's what I talked about. I said, look, The Bills are going to have to play defense differently. We got some clues as to what that means. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. Veteran winners and losers, what we learned about how this offense and defense can look in the aftermath of the 2023 NFL Draft. Tomorrow on the podcast, I invite you to return. Of course, the Everdayers are going to be there. I want to do a post-draft 53-man roster projection, and so we'll take this another step further and say, okay, all these things that we've learned, all these different skill sets, how does it work together? And what does it mean for who actually makes this team? And so that's coming your way tomorrow on the podcast. So come on back. I'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, subscribe to the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.